May I begin today's service, today's study in First Church, Part 23, with a scripture reading from John chapter 11, verse 23 through 25, John 3, 16, 17, and 36. By saying to you, we've been praying for Sister Sue. And Sister Sue has gone to be with the Lord. She rests in the arms of Jesus. Jesus said to Martha, your brother will rise again. And Martha said, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. In John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He, believe, he who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he, and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides in him. We wonder sometimes, I had asked Sister Sue several times as she came to the altar of our church what her favorite scripture was. She had said to me, Psalms 23. So I read that in her memory today. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me, in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Psalms 116. Verse 15, in John 14, 1 through 6, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also, 
and whither I go ye know, and the way ye know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest. And how can we know the way? And Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. May I say, Sister Sue, rest well in the hollow hands of the Father and in the shadow of his mighty wings. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. If you hear background noise today, uh, our studio is built right next to a golf course, and they're they're seeding the the uh, golf course today. So I apologize. Uh, they just shut them down. So hopefully they'll keep them down while we broadcast today. Today, First Church, Part Twenty Three, Acts Twenty Three, One Through Three. Today, I'd like to dedicate uh, today's message uh, or, or study in, in Acts uh, to Sister Sue. I'll also be dedicating Sunday service to Sister Sue. And Paul earnestly beholding the council said, Men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. Notice that he said, until this day. And the high priest Ananias commanded them and stood by him to smite him on the mouth. Then said Paul unto him, God shall smite thee, thou whited wall, for sittest thou to judge me after the law, and commandest me to be smitten contrary to the law. So let's review a little bit. Now Paul's defense, it, it, is, it is a personal defense. Paul's conversion. And I think that's, that's what we need to look at sometimes in our, in our walk with God. We need to look at it. Who are you, God? What do you want me to do for you? Where, is, where am I in my walk with you, Lord God? Now, Paul's secret to success with walking with God, the value of his time in the temple, the value of his personal prayer, his personal prayer life with the Lord, never forgetting where he was brought from. Where was his past? Where did he come from? He never forgot that. And I think uh, in today's world, we all need to look at one thing, and one thing very importantly is our anger management. Where do, we, where do we draw the line with anger management? The Jews were so angry, so, so angry, that they were tearing, uh, tearing their own clothes and throwing dust in the air. Many times they were whipping themselves on the back. They had insane reactions to, to nothing more than a speech of one man. But they got so insanely angry over this speech. As a Roman citizen, Paul was in, in, entitled to protection. He could not be punished without a trial. And the Roman captain decides to take Paul before the Sanhedrin. Paul before the council. And Paul is brought before the Sanhedrin and he, and he has finished his defense to the Jews and he's seen the reaction. He has spent a night in jail and now the next morning appears before the Sanhedrin. And this is 
This is ruling council of the Jews. The head of the council is the high priest. And they are only able to judge in spiritual matters. They have no official government involvement. They are merely a shadow for the Jewish religious matters only. And the fact that the Roman captain is able to, to summon the council to see Paul shows how completely under control of the Romans the council is. Now Paul, Paul earnestly is beholding to them. And Paul wants to have an opportunity to speak to this council. He's not only trying to defend himself, but is also trying to witness to them. He has a sincere desire to preach these, uh, to reach out to these Jews on the council. And I wonder today, I wonder today, do you have a sincere desire to reach to the lost? To reach out to the lost around the world, wherever you are in the sound of my voice? Are, do you have a desire to reach the lost? Because isn't that, isn't that where we are? Isn't that where we're supposed to be? I want you to turn your Bible to the book of Acts. The book of Acts. Real quickly. The book of Acts. Let's get there. Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Verse 8. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But ye shall receive power. Say power with me. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come up. First, you're going to receive power. I want you to note that. First, you're going to receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is going to come upon you, and you shall become witness. Now, let's, let's, let's back up a little bit. But ye shall receive power. First comes the power. After that, the Holy Ghost is going to come upon you, that's number two. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the earth. Now, I don't know where you are in the sound of my voice, but you're going to be somewhere in that uttermost part of the earth. Amen? You're going to be there. So the question becomes, if you're a Christian, truly a Christian, and you've received that power. If you're praying to the Lord and you've received that power from on high. And you've received the Holy Spirit. Do you have that sincere desire to reach the lost for God? Now, Paul declares that his conscience is clear. Now I'm asking you the same thing. Have, do you have that, that clear conscience that the Holy Spirit has given you? This means that everything he has done has been in keeping with the understanding of God's will for his life. When he was in ignorance, he, per, he, he persecuted the Christians as a good Pharisee should. And many people in this world today are, are, are persecuting Christians. This new world order that's coming into play is persecuting Christians. 
When God showed him who he was on the road to Damascus, he converted and became a Christian. In all phases of his life, he, he has tried to live right. There were several things at work here. There was a shoe with an iron heel that was kept in the council. In the Jewish law, the person of innocent until proven guilty. When a person was found to be lying or, or obnoxious, the shoe would be used to hit the person in, in the mouth. This was considered to be a, a recognition of lying. It was also very uh, uh, degrading as the shoe which touched the ground was now applied to the mouth, almost like, like a snake from the Garden of Eden eating dust. And when Paul was struck in the mouth, no evidence had been presented to confirm that he is lying. The high priest is saying, Paul, I already know that you are guilty. Now, this is contrary to the law, which Paul points out. It is especially humiliating to a religious person to be hit with a shoe. So the high priest is saying, Paul, I'm going to humiliate you. You will not get a fair trial here. Again, contrary to the law. And in Acts chapter 23, verse 4 and 5, And they that stood by said, Revelest thou God, high priest. And then said Paul, I willst not, brethren, that he was high priest. For it is written, Thou shalt not speak evil of the ruler of thy people. So the Jews on the council were amazed that Paul could speak this way of the high priest. I find it interesting that they were willing to go along with him breaking the law just because of his office. Paul did not know he was the high priest because his actions were contrary to the law. So we need to try the spirits to see if they be of God. 1 John chapter 4, try the spirits to see if they be of God. That's what it says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. Some Christians have inconsistent actions. But Paul was so well-versed in Old Testament that he knew the verse to quote, which I am sure only raised his esteem in the eyes of others. They were being white-walled. It's interesting that Paul should use that, this phrase. It is very similar to the words of Jesus in Matthew 23, verse 28. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are like unto whitened uh, sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men bones and of all uncleanliness. Uncleanliness. So Paul declares him to be a white-walled. This is a reference to the white uh, to a wall that has, is cracking badly, but has been painted over to hide the cracks. Eventually, the wall will fall. So that's Paul's prophecy. God will smite you. The high priest was well known for, for, for taking bribes and corruption, according to the Jewish historian, uh, Joseph. Eventually, due to his greed, and pro-Roman opinion, the high priest Ananias will be killed by loyalist Jews. No matter how high you think you have gotten, 
God has a way of bringing the guilty down. In Acts 23, uh, 6 and 9, but when Paul perceived that the one part were Sadducees and the other Pharisees, he cried out in the council. He said, men and brethren, I am a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee. Of the hope and the resurrection of the dead, I am called in question. And when he said, when he had said so, there arose a dissension between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the multitude was divided. For the Sadducees say there is no resurrection, neither angel nor spirit. But the Pharisees confess both. And there arose a great cry, and the, and the scribes that were of the Pharisees part arose and strove, saying, We find no evil in this man. But if a spirit or an angel has spoken to him, let us not fight against God. Religion without God. Pharisees and Sadducees. Pharisees believed in a literal resurrection from the dead at the coming of the Messiah. They did not believe in the blessings of today. And the Sadducees believed that the resurrection was only a metaphor for the benefits of serving God in this life. They did not believe in an afterlife. Spiritual balance. They said blessings are for today and also for tomorrow on into an afterlife and the resurrection. See, both had religion, but neither had God. When you have religion without God, tradition becomes as important as scripture. Adding to and taking away from the Bible becomes standard in that way. Fights break out when someone challenges your beliefs. Wars, inquisitions, crusades, jihads. These are often a violation of the very religion that you're trying to promote. See, don't get angry when someone challenges you about your God. Stay calm. Hold your belief. And calmly explain why you believe what you believe. Violence is the last resort of a desperate or, or, or the ignorant of God. In Acts chapter 23, 10 through 11, And when there arose a great dissension, the chief captain, fearing lest Paul should have been pulled in pieces of them, commanded the soldiers to go down and, and to take him by force from among them, and to bring him into the castle. And the night following, the Lord stood up by him and said, Be of good cheer. Be of good cheer, Paul. For as thou hast testified of me in Jerusalem, so must thou bear witness also at Rome. So Paul was removed from the said Hadrian. A fight broke out among the council. The fight was so severe that the Roman captain feared for Paul's life, literally, that he would be pulled in pieces. The religious council was about to commit murder. And again, 
It was a violation of the law. Simply over a matter of difference of opinion. And then God comes to Paul. In the midst of the captivity, God comes to Paul. He's in a Roman castle bound and under the guard. Yet God comes into where he is at. Not to deliver him, but to deliver a message. Cheer up. For what you went through in Jerusalem, you will also go through in Rome. I believe Paul drew strength from this word. I, I, I will survive because God wants me to speak in Rome. That's what he thought. In Acts chapter 23, 12 through 15, and, and when it, it was day, certain of the Jews banded together and bound themselves under a curse, <coughs> saying that they would neither eat nor drink till they had Paul. They were going to fast. Remember what Jesus said? This comes by fasting and prayer. And they were more than 40 which had made this conspiracy. And they came to the chief priests and elders and said, We have bound ourselves under the great curse that we will eat nothing until we have slain Paul. So that wasn't fasting and prayer, was it? Now therefore... Ye with the council signified to the chief captain that we bring him down unto you tomorrow as though ye would inspire, inquire something more perfectly concerning him and we, or even he, come near, are ready to kill him. Right things, wrong reasons. Many people in the church today do right things, but for the wrong reasons. The next day, several of the Jews got together. They bound themselves together under an oath to neither eat nor drink until they had killed Paul. That's fasting for the wrong reasons. Technically, this, this is known for fasting. Fasting is a good thing. It is a right thing to do, but for all the wrong reasons. Jesus told us, the Pharisees that stood praying, praying is a good thing. It's, it's the right thing to do. But he was praying so that the people could see him, not to communicate with God, the right thing, but the wrong reasons. See, it's possible to do the right thing for the wrong reasons. You must check your motives. Are you in the prayer room for yourself or for God? Are you praying for God's will or for your will? Do you give to God because you want to or because you feel obligated? These Jews got the Sanhedrin to agree to deceive the Roman soldiers. Religion without God. Again, you'll even violate your own religion when someone challenges it. Lying is a sin. This is an Old Testament sin, one of the Ten Commandments. Exodus chapter 20, verse 16. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. The Torah, the five books of the Bible, are reverend above all others in Judaism, even today. The Ten Commandments are the most important. Murder is the sin. Remember, there has been no trial. There is 
also one of the Ten Commandments, Exodus chapter 20, verse 13. Thou shalt not kill. But religion without God makes his word meaningless. This world have also brought down the wrath of the Roman government, the unlawful murder of Roman citizens. In Acts chapter 23, verse 16 and 17, and when Paul's sister, son, heard of the, uh, their lying in wait, he went and entered into the castle and told Paul. Then Paul called one of the centurions unto himself and said, Bring this young man unto the chief captain, for he hath a sin, sin, certain thing to tell him. Paul's nephew. While they were plotting to kill Paul, God was intervening. For who else should want overhear the plans but Paul's nephew? He immediately goes and tells Paul, who in turn makes sure the captain knows about the plot. Reminds me of what the prophet Isaiah wrote in Isaiah 54 verse 17. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. The devil has his plots. But God, glory, God has his way and his will, it will be done. This then is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their righteousness passed down through the generations to us today. In Acts chapter 23, verse 22, 24, so the chief captain then let the young man depart and charged him, see that thou tell no man that thou hast showed these things to me. And he called unto him two centurions, saying, Make ready two hundred soldiers to go to Caesarea. The horsemen threescore and ten, and spearmen two hundred and the third hour of the night. And provide them beasts, that they may set Paul on, and bring him safe unto Felix the governor. And Paul, Paul is brought out of Jerusalem. Now once... Once the captain knows the plot, he secretly sends Paul away from Jerusalem to Caesarea, to Felix the governor, under armed escort. See, God's protection, you've got 40 angry men. I've got 200 soldiers, 70 horsemen, and 200 spearmen, plus an extra horse for Paul to ride on. God sent 470 men to protect Paul. Almost 12 times as many men were guarding Paul as were ready to kill him. When the enemy comes in, God will raise up a standard against him. Are you listening to me? Romans 8, 31. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Paul wrote those words to the church in Rome. Could it be that he was remembering a night time trip out of Jerusalem when he penned those words? In Acts chapter 23, verse 33 to 35, who then they came to Caesarea and delivered the epistle to the governor, presented Paul also before him. And when the governor, in closing, when the governor had read the letter, he asked of what province he was. And when he understood that he was a Cecilia, I will hear thee, said he, when thine accusers are all so come. And he commanded him to be kept in Herod's judgment hall. Felix, 
After Felix read the letter from the Roman captain and understood that Paul was a Roman citizen, he agreed to hear Paul, and Paul would get a chance to talk to the governor. Pharisees did not get a chance to speak with the governor, but Paul did. God is going to take Paul to the places that he has only dreamed about. When God speaks, the world will listen. When God moves, this universe will move at God's glorious hands. I quiver not at what's going on in the world today. I see on the television the politicians quivering at what's going on in the world around us today. God does not quiver at what's going on in the world today. God has a plan for this earth. God has a plan for this world. And my friends, if you are a dedicated Christian, God has a plan for you right now. And if you do not know God, you better get on board. Because I'm telling you, for those that love the Lord Jesus Christ, God has a plan for your life. It's time to walk with Jesus. I tell you this, before Moses knew Jesus, or Moses knew God, he saw a bush that was burning on the side of a mountain, but was not consumed. And he said, I will go and see this site. And he journeyed up the side of the mountain to see this burning bush. And he met God in a burning bush. Elijah met God and endured. When Jesus Christ felt discouraged, from out of heaven, Elijah came down. Moses descended from heaven to give encouragement to Jesus. Even Jesus got discouraged. You may be feeling discouraged right now. Paul felt discouragement, surely, when he knew they were plotting against his life. But he called upon God, and his nephew went in his stead. And God came and drew him out of the prison that he was in and sent him. Well, over 470 came to his aid. And God brought him out of danger. You too may be facing that same thing. That same danger in your life. You too may be feeling the same way Paul was feeling, alone. John the Baptist was facing the guillotine and not encouraged. But yet Jesus was saying to the multitude, I tell you this, no man on this earth born of woman was greater than that of John the Baptist. I said it in my sermon on Sunday. You too may be discouraged. 
But like Paul, reach out to God. Reach out to God. And God too, God too will send a legion, a legion of angels to come and lift you up. This is the time. If you do not know God, if you do not know God, to find God's mercy, to reach out for God's salvation. If you find yourself lost, and many do, now's the time. If you are within the sound of my voice, and you need salvation, please, please. During this time on earth, Jesus was always inviting people to, to become his followers. He said to those by the Sea of Galilee, follow me. He invited his listeners to come to him, to come by faith, to come for healing, to come for hope, for happiness. He said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. If any man come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Perhaps today you feel that Christ himself is speaking just to you. Maybe that's you. In a moment, I'm going to give you that invitation. I'm going to give you that opportunity. I'm going to give you that opportunity to come, to come to Jesus. You know, my friend, it's time. It's time to come now, come willingly, come courageously. I don't want you to worry about what anyone else thinks. This is your time with Christ. Jesus is calling you as an individual, maybe calling you as a couple, maybe calling you as a family. He died for you. And he rose again on that third day. And his blood washes away your sins. And he can give you new life if you'll just come. Come to Christ now while there's still time, while you still can. Let's pray this prayer together. Father, Father, it is written in your word that if I confess with my mouth Jesus is Lord. Let me slow down a little bit. And if I believe in my heart that you have raised him from the dead, I shall be saved. Today, Father, I confess that Jesus is my Lord. I make him 
the Lord of my life. I believe in my heart that you raised Jesus from the dead. I renounce my past life and I close the door on the devil and his devices. Now, Jesus, I thank you for giving, forgiving my sins. You are the Lord of my life, and I'm a new creation. The old things have passed away. Now all things have become new. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Hey, if you just said that prayer in sincere faith, I want to I want to welcome you to the to to the family of God this morning. Praise the Lord. I want you to know that there's so many blessings that the Lord's going to provide you with. You know, an, a, <laughs> a brand new life, you know, forgiveness of sins, financial blessings, so many things. Um, I want to encourage you to reach out to a Bible-believing church and ask them to baptize you for the remission of sins in Jesus' name. Just, you know, tune back in to our broadcasts. You'll learn so much. And uh, reach out to us and, and write us a letter or send us an email. Let us know how you're doing. We'd love to hear from you. We love each and every one of you that tune in each, each uh, week. Uh, we broadcast both Wednesdays and Sundays. Now with that, I'd like you to just reach your hand up towards your computer or uh, to your smartphone. Now may the Lord bless you, keep you, and make your face to shine upon you till he brings us back once again. God bless you. We love all of you. Bye-bye now. <laughs>